Hey, welcome to episode 49 of Tangible Takeaways. I'm Jackson, and today I'm going to talk about how I have the same problem as my dog. Yeah, and I am Evan, and I am going to talk about today, I'm going to talk about this idea of harnessing emotion, or maybe not. All that and more on this episode of Tangible Takeaways. Thanks so much for taking the time. Yeah, good to be here, Jackson. Yeah, it's fun. This is your Tangible Takeaways debut. Yeah, first time on the show. Thanks big for time. having me. Big time. Wore my Dodger hat. You yes. Know, I'm tracking with you. Just so we could be on the same page That's here. Right. I think there's big expectations, you know, from the Tangible okay. Takeaways crew. They've been clamoring, like, when are we going to get to hear from Evan? Okay, and all right. And so it's, it's go time now. Well, hopefully I don't let them down. No, I'm excited that you're on because I think... Um, interestingly and you wouldn't say this but i'll say it for you um i think that there's some really great parallels about um the way some of the intentional ways that you try to live your life to some of the honorable things that we see elevated in the book of esther especially in the case of things like humility and things like that i think that's something that you do a really great job of and so i'm excited to learn from you and to kind of hear your perspective on it a little bit here. And one of the ways that we see that kind of highlighted in Esther is really, I was telling you before we started filming, the more that we've gotten into the book of Esther, I almost kind of see it as like the two really primary characters. Mordecai's name comes up a lot, but to me, I think Mordecai is almost just kind of the singular representation of the rest of the Jews in all of Persia at the time. Right. The real tension that you have is happening between Esther and Haman. They're the two people who, whatever they're going to get done, it has to go through the king. And ultimately, Esther is going to end up being victorious, but that's because she goes about it a totally different way than Haman does. So what kind of has stood out to you in the series so far in the difference between those two characters, like the contrast? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I feel like they're both motivated by emotion. Mm. Right. And so you just think through that, like we see Haman just, you know, has one of the greatest days of his life and then sees Mordecai not bowing down to him and just responds out of anger. Mm. Right. And so I think there's there's these similarities between them. Anger. I think Esther is operating in this really fearful state at times. Yeah. Um, but the way that they harness those emotions or maybe don't harness those emotions, mm -hmm. um, I think is the key differential in my mind or one of them at least. Yeah. Yeah. And then you've got that even like tension of, I think about where, like where Esther runs to versus where Mordecai runs to, or uh, Haman. Esther goes to fasting, tells Mordecai, hey, have everybody be praying and fasting for me. Right. Haman, he goes to kind of like his yes people, right? Sure. Like that's his first group that he goes to. And I, I also think too, they're looking out for what's best for different groups, right? Like it seems like Haman's always looking out for what's best for him. Like that is the driving factor for him in all things. But then Esther seems to, she's willing to put her own life on the line for the sake of others. And yeah. so that's like a huge contrast between those two. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah, I talked about that idea of emotion and you think about either harnessing your emotion um, in, in a positive way or allowing your emotion to just kind of fuel a fire. Mm. And I think you're talking about who they went to and how they handled their emotion. You think about Haman and he went to his yes people, like you said, man, I think that shows a lack of humility. He just allowed like his emotion to drive what was happening. Mm. Um, and I think that Esther in humility says, 
I'm definitely afraid. I mean, she says, if I perish, I perish, right? I think that is a statement of fear. Yeah. <laughs> I can imagine it's that. It's not confidence. <laughs> right. Yeah. But what she does is she harnesses that. And like you said, she, she fasts. We think she probably prayed in that moment, but yeah. she says, I'm going to take some time. I'm going to figure out what's the best way to handle this, even in the midst of my fear. That's humility because she says, maybe my emotions aren't what should drive my decision making. Mm. And maybe there's counsel, maybe there's wisdom in other people and kind of hearing from them. And Haman just wants somebody to be like, yep, you're right. They're the worst. Yeah. Mordecai's the worst, man. Mm -hmm. We agree with you entirely. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great point. Like it really does start with their emotions that leads to um, then, okay, they've both got extreme emotions. There's probably no emotions more extreme than being afraid and being angry. Like those are as intense as it gets, as visceral as it gets for mm -hmm. human beings. So they both start at a similar spot of like, they've got really intense emotions, but yeah. man, they go drastically different directions with those. And I think that has a lot to do with where they go to, um, the people that surround them, the community that they have around them. Like, what would you say when you experience something that feels um, either, man, this is super scary or man, I'm mad about this thing. What would you say are like some good places you feel like for you to go when that's the case? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things where, you know, there are some people that wear their emotions on their sleeves. Right. Mm. And that is not me. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like my emotions are mostly internal. I carry around my stress, my anger, my fear, you know, those sorts of things internally. And I don't show that much. Um, but one of the things that I feel like is most helpful, I'm thinking of like those, those moments in life where you're just, you don't know what to do. Mm. Right. And I think both Esther and Haman have gotten to that point in this story. Yeah. Uh, they, they don't know what to do. And for me, it's, um, it's just pausing um, and there's this really there's this really cheesy kids song Bible song um, that says and I'm not gonna sing it uh, but it says you wouldn't be caught when I am afraid I will trust in God mm. in God whose word I praise um, and that's something that we tell the boys all the time right we've got a 11 9 and 7 year old and when they're dealing with something that is scary or they're dealing with something that makes them angry um, or whatever it is we tell them like man you got to trust that God is in it mm. and you've got to trust that God is good in the midst of those difficult circumstances and so for us it is turning to God's word it's turning to prayer and obviously you know this um, my wife is incredible and she is just a great source of wisdom for me um, and can can really check me if she feels like my emotion um, is is kind of getting out of whack mm. so yeah those are some really good places for me to turn yeah yeah I think about that great story of uh, uh, David and Abigail when David like comes across a guy who he's looking for help from doesn't give him any help and then that guy's wife Abigail comes out David's ready to go in and kill everybody and she's like hey man don't throw away your whole blessing like mm -hmm. all that God's been up to in your life over one guy who disrespected you and she just totally checks him and then that guy ends up dying and he ends up taking Abigail as his wife because he's like dude I need a little bit more of this advice in my life but I think that's such a powerful there are those people that um, they have the um, ability to kind of talk us down from some of those ledges and then right. there are people that are just 
not helpful people to go to. Like we end up feeling more angry, more scared after talking to them. And I think that's a huge difference between who Esther goes to and who Haman goes yeah, to. Yeah, absolutely. How do you think, Jackson, in like even your life, how do you make sure that you're surrounding yourself with people that are the good type of person to go to in the midst of those emotions or difficult circumstances? Yeah, I feel like it's almost like you have to, um, like based on my experience so far, I'm always going to have people in my life that aren't productive for me to go to with certain emotions. Like I kind of can't safeguard my life with like only people who are productive, right? Sure. Yeah. It's probably not possible. And so I kind of have to know who they are. And I, uh, then that really becomes on me to say like, okay, I could take the path of destruction, which is to go talk to this person. And honestly, sometimes it's not even that these people are like, ungodly people sometimes they're just honestly they're not productive with that emotion for me Hmm. like the way that they talk to me or the way that they react to what i'm gonna say only either like their approach only makes me angry or they kind of are like the yes people who are like oh man for sure that's super annoying and so i just come out more annoyed more frustrated and then there's those other people that i know who man they live their life to me emotionally a goal for me like for spiritual, emotional health, is I really want to be somebody who's grounded. And those are the people that I want to go to because my emotions have a tendency to just sweep me away. And um, I've told people here before on Tangible Takeaways before I had a college professor who described um, our emotions as like a harbor where these like ships come in, uh, these feelings of anger or sadness or a feeling afraid or whatever it is, they come in and they roll out because they don't stay forever. It's just a harbor. And so our goal is to sit on the hill above the harbor and to watch what's coming in and to be aware of what we're feeling. That's when we'll be emotionally grounded. But what so many of us do is, man, we book it down the hill, we hop on the ship, and it takes us deep out to sea, and we get dropped in the middle of nowhere. We got to paddle our way back. We find ourselves emotionally exhausted, not knowing where we are, how we got there. And I just resonated with that imagery so deeply because there have been so many times my fear, my anger, my sadness has swept me away. And man, I think about, um, man, people like my dad, people like Jack Hamilton, who in my life feel like they are just rock solid, like consistently they are grounded. I don't see them get swept away. And so, man, when I feel like, when I get, I find myself in a moment of immaturity and all of a sudden I'm like, oh man, I got swept away in this emotion. I can go to people who are gonna just sweep me away further, or I can go to people who are grounded and uh, that's, I think, on us. We have to be able to say, like, man, I'm not in a good headspace to go towards these people who are just going to help me get swept away all the more. Yeah. And to me, that wouldn't even be like Christian versus non-Christian. That's more like immaturity sure. versus maturity in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah. They're going to either hop on the boat with you yeah, or maybe help you point that out. Yeah, I love that that idea of, of just recognizing your emotion because emotion in and of itself isn't bad yeah right god gave us those emotions all of them but that idea of just being perceptive enough to to see what is coming Mm -hmm. um and to be able to handle that well and then to maybe be able to release it and i think in a very very real way releasing that to god you know in prayer um and acknowledging where you're at um and what you're dealing with i think is a really helpful way to handle that and that's what we see esther do yeah right as she says i'm going to spend some time fasting and we're going to go to the lord and we're going to make sure that you know that we are doing this in a wise way. Yeah. 
and and Haman says, "Hey, get on this boat of anger with me." Yeah, <laughs> we're going go out get to sea. Swept away. Yeah. yeah, and that was what was so powerful to me about that imagery because I think I run between those two extremes, right? One is I get swept away. The other one is I just turn my back and I act like oh, I've never felt mm. I've never felt angry in my life, you know, like, <laughs> and I'm just being an idiot the other way. And then those things end up blowing up on me because I act like they were never there. And so it's like, man, that's the true point of maturity. And he just had such a way. He said, like, what I want for you, this professor said to us as a class, what I want for you is one day to be able to tell people I'm angry with you and just tell him like that. He said, now that is the most jarring thing anybody can <laughs> say to you because when you're angry, you do not talk like you're uh, calm and everything's okay. But he says, I want you to be able to tell people I'm angry with you because I recognize that it's there, but I'm still grounded enough to say, man, I'm not going to get swept away. I know it's only here for a moment. So I know ships come in, they go yeah. out. So it's not, I'm not going to be angry forever but I'm angry with you right now. And I'm gonna be able to sit in a still enough, solid enough position to not be swept away by that. And that's powerful to me. Like that's become a big goal for me emotionally. And I do think you see that big difference between these two. And man, it leads them to drastically, we haven't even seen the conclusion of these stories. It leads, no spoilers, yeah. but it leads to some <laughs> terrible places for Haman and some awesome places for Esther. So yeah. And, and ultimately for, for Mordecai and the Jews as well. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And the other thing that was interesting to me is this whole story. It starts with um, Mordecai, like coming to the King's mind at just the right time. Right. Mm. It's that beautiful, like very Esther thing that happens where God's name doesn't come up at all, but it's like, Interestingly, on the night that Haman is about to come and ask for Mordecai to be killed the next day, that's the night that the king can't sleep. And on that night that he can't sleep, he reads from a specific book that details the exact time in which Mordecai helped save his life. And then that leads him to say like, man, we need to do something for this guy. And so you see God kind of pulling all the strings. And you know, there was a great kind of point that's brought up of like, oh man, how many times has somebody been brought to our mind or have we been brought to the mind of somebody else at just the right time? And what that got me thinking about, Evan, is like, yeah, I can think about a lot of those instances where somebody's texted me or called me that I haven't heard from in months, maybe years. And they're like, man, I was just thinking of you today. And I'm like, I have, you have no idea how much like I needed to hear whatever you called me to say or the encouragement that you had to offer. And so there's this really cool moment where we can begin to recognize, like I think Esther helps us kind of pinpoint God's providence a little bit better in our life. Like, okay, when people come to mind, like that's not just by accident. But then on the other side, I think there's this kind of hyper spiritual, some of sure. us might be a little uncomfortable by that, right? Like, does everybody who comes to mind, is that from God? Others of us might be like, of course. And they're like, we bend a little bit more hyper spiritually where every green light, every parking spot, everything that goes our way is blessings from God. Like, how do we kind of find a healthy spot spiritually to be like, okay, God is doing things in my life. Like, I don't want to miss those things. But at the same time, maybe everything isn't like what the big blessing that I'm making it to be either. Yeah, you know, I don't know that I have the answer for how do you find that perfect balance between those two things. Do I think God is in everything? 
from a theological perspective, yes, right? He is the creator of all things. He he made us. He knows us. He exists outside of time, so he knows what's going to happen. He knows what's happening. Um, but but in a in a real sense, in the way that I live my life, you know, I don't pull into the mall and think, okay, God. Are you, do you love me today? Are you going to give me a good parking spot or do you not love me? And I'm going to have to park way in the back and then yeah. walk in. Right. But I think that, you know, it, we're talking about this idea a little bit of, of seeing Esther and Haman and maybe pride and humility. And, and I think it all ties together with this idea of, of, of maybe providence and how God speaks into us. I think for me, if, if it is a selfless thought that all of a sudden it doesn't come from your own mind and it's somebody else and, you know, God just put somebody on your heart, shoot them a text. Yeah. Email them. I don't know that that's ever a bad thing yeah. for you just to reach out and just say, hey, praying for you, bro. It's not going to go badly for you. Right. Unless that person is an absolutely horrible influence on your life. That is like the one context I can think of. I mean, by and large. Yeah. It's going to be a good decision. It's going to be good. Yeah. Yeah. So you reach out to people and you just let them know that you're caring for them. Um, If there's something that you can do, great. But, you know, two examples from my life last week. Um, God put two different uh, people on my my heart. And one of them I just reached out and was like, hey, can we grab a meal together? Let's go grab a burger and just talk about how life is going. And so... uh, I don't know why, Yeah. right? It was one of those situations where it was like, I just feel like we should connect. And so we got together and just talked about kind of just some temptation and struggles in our lives and we're able to encourage one another. And just, it was a really edifying conversation. We both left, I think, encouraged and kind of ready to tackle, you know, what was before us. Yeah. Um, so that was really good. And then another one was just, re- so that's a little bit of an investment, right? Yeah. Uh, there's a commitment there of, of time and, and spending, you know, that hour or so with them in lunch. The other one was just a really short text. Um, you know, just that morning, God just put a friend on my heart and I just reached out to him and said, Hey, hope you're doing okay. Praying for you, bro. Yeah. Um, and that was it. Yeah. And, uh, they came back with a couple of short texts, but they, there was something that they were dealing with that week. Like they were just like, man, I appreciate you reaching out going through something. And so if you could pray for the situation and it was something that I knew about like previously and God just kind of, you know, put me there at the right time just yeah. to just be an encouragement. And uh, that was all they needed was just a quick text from me to let, to let them know that I was praying for them and that I love them. And, um, you know, I think those are just really easy, tangible ways that you can engage people and don't over spiritualize it. Just yeah. be like, Hey, love you. Hope you're doing okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's those like small moments of faithfulness that they sure. make, they can make a much bigger impact than we ever would think or anticipate. And that's what I think is so cool about God's providence and those kind of tension points is like, okay, because I know that there are moments in which God is, um, he's sovereign over everything, but then he uses this providence. He's purposeful as well. He's not just powerful, but he's also purposeful. Mm. And so there's moments of purpose where he interjects and he, for the purpose of governing humanity, like, and uses that purpose for some reason. And so there are times in which I'm gonna be called upon in my life to step up and do something. Um, But then on the other side, man, God is not purposefully governing everything in my life either. Um, So I kind of have to find those tension points of like, sometimes, because there was this great like theological understanding of God's sovereignty that was helpful to me that I think it was in, knowledge of the holy which is like a really dense very short book right but it talks about like all of human history kind of being like a cruise ship and god is the captain of it where he has kind of set the destination um but then what happens on the cruise ship 
is what happens on the cruise ship. Like the captain isn't like making sure everybody's eating at the right time and making sure. And I think that's the other side where it's like, can I eat now, God? Like, am I, you know, like where it's like, I'm seeing God as purposely governing every element of my life. When in reality, like, man, there's even the story of Esther, what comes up in that story, it happens over years and over months. And so there's these big gaps between chapters as God's up to something over a long period of time and almost kind of interjecting, prompting Esther and Mordecai to step up in these moments throughout years. And so when I look at that, it's like, okay, every, every second of every day of those years, it wasn't God purposely calling Esther. And I think we can bear it. That weight can be so heavy for some of us who lean a little bit more hyper-spiritual to be like, oh man, like, I just feel like I'm not doing the exact right thing with my day today. And it's like, okay, let's pump the brakes on that. Like, but man, when somebody comes to mind or those, there are those prompting moments to step up, like, I think that's where providence, it can help us see like, okay, God is, when God's going to be purposeful, I'm going to have an opportunity to step up and be a part of that. And he's always going to be powerful, but there's going to be those moments where he interjects purposefully in my life. And I think providence can give us that cool, like, man, I get to be a part of that. Um, But then also, okay, maybe every second of every day isn't God purposely governing my life. Yeah. Yeah. I would think that the, you're not looking like if you're constantly looking and worrying about it, then that's probably the wrong perspective. I think being open to the prompting of the Holy Spirit is the way that that probably is is best balanced. Yeah. Right. If you're looking at every moment, every decision, every you know bite of food that you take, every word that you say, every you know text that you send, if you're looking for those, to, every one of those to be a providential moment, you're over spiritualizing. Yeah. Right. And if you're not willing to listen to the prompting of the Holy Spirit, then you're doing the opposite. Yeah. And so I think for me, it's just that sense. And I'm not perfect at it. I'm not even, I wouldn't even say I'm great at it. Yeah. Um, But it's just listening to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. And if he's prompting you to do something, do it. Yeah. Yeah. Like one that I remember, Evan, that's like sticking out to me right now is, man, every single high school class that graduates, it's like college is the biggest decision ever. And I remember that pressure, like trying to pick where I was going to go to school and there's financial pressure and all these things. And when you're a believer, you're also like, which school does God want me to go to? And I remember somebody sitting me down and saying like, maybe God could use you at all three of the schools that you have left on the table. Like maybe that's actually the case. Like, and God's not so limited that he needs you to be at this one specific school for this one specific purpose. And for some people, that is the case. I think we see some people providentially called to a school. I think we see other people, and there's five schools that are on the table and God's going to use you in all of these. And so I just think we do a little too much comparing apples to oranges, Mm -hmm. where sometimes it's like, man, that was the only school that was an option, whether it was for financial reasons or a scholarship or whatever. So yeah, God was calling this person to this one school for something specific but then there's others it's like man i got 10 schools on deck like that's great man like which one fits well with your life where you want to go where you feel like god's leading you best but man he's going to use you at any of those like if those are all options that means he's going to be on the move he's going to use you it's not like you go to one school and god's like well that's it i guess we can't you made a mistake you you made the wrong choice right and so we see that like hyper amount of pressure on those you know, quote unquote, big decisions. Like, am I going to get in the way of God wanting to use me? Man, if it's an option and it's an option, that's not like you're going to have to take sinful means to get there. 
then I think God's going to sure. use you there. Like, I don't think that's going to be a problem. Yeah. I remember uh, Pastor Tom saying one time, he said, you know, when it comes to decisions or sensing God's God's direction in our lives, you know, there's going to be times when, when it's clearly either Scripture agrees or Scripture disagrees, right? So Scripture should trump it all. Yeah. If Scripture agrees and you're still not sure, then you talk to wise counsel. If you're married, talk to your spouse. If you're not married, talk to other, you know, godly people that are in your life. And if you, if it's in line with Scripture, it's in line with maybe counsel from uh, loved ones around you, wise counsel, um, and you still aren't sure. I remember Tom saying that he and Cheryl have at times flipped a coin. Yeah. Right? And it's like, we don't know. And God's not saying that one of these is right or wrong. And so it doesn't like, yeah, let's not over-spiritualize it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then I think we can find a lot of freedom there to be sure. like, oh man, there are these awesome places in my life that God's moving purposefully. And then there's these awesome areas of choice that mm -hmm. God's saying, man, I'll use you anywhere there. Yeah. Like choose. So yeah. I think there's something, there's something cool there. There's a tension point where we can find a lot of freedom there. Yeah, you know, one of the things that I love that you said earlier was just about this idea of Esther. And I think what we do is we put her on this pedestal of being like, man, she was so faithful mm. in every moment of her life, you know, for such yeah. a time as this. Yeah. Well, it wasn't like she was saying that every day. It was like they highlight the things in the story where it's like, yeah, look at how, how faithful she was. And she stayed true to what God was calling her to do. And she listened to the prompting of the Holy Spirit great but that wasn't how she lived her entire life yeah right we see character flaws in who esther was and we see um like you said just the length of time that exists between certain decisions and certain things and i think esther was just like you and i trying to figure out is this what god wants yeah or not and, and it's so, almost like in that moment where she said for such a time as this it's almost like the stars align there for a second for her sure. to be like oh wait maybe the last few years, uh -huh. God's been up to something. And I think that's what happens to us sometimes. Like, yeah. oh, wait, like uh -huh. maybe that's what God was up to there. Yeah. And I think that a lot of times, you know, it's, we can, we can recognize God's providential care for us and love for us when we look back yeah. more than we can look forward. Yeah. And so Esther probably did that too, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost impossible when you're looking forward. You just like, you can't even predict it because right. there's so many of these turns. And speaking of turns, there's a great turn in this chapter where uh, the king wants to honor Mordecai, calls Haman in, says, man, what should I do for somebody I want to honor? And Haman's first thought is like, who else would he want to honor but me? And it really got me thinking about this great like text that is in Luke 14, when right. Jesus gives a similar discussion on humility. This is, this is what he says. I'll read it. He says, when someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor uh, for a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host who invited both of you will come uh, and say to you, give this person your seat. Then humiliated, you will have to take the least important place. But when you are invited, take the lowest place so that when your host comes, he will say to you, friend, move up to a better place. Then you will be honored in the presence of all the other guests. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. I should super pithy line there at the end but also i love it because it's just so practical from jesus like sometimes the parables feel like they're really hard top shelf to understand sure this is like man i've been in situations with wise people in my life where i feel like they do just this like oh no 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 let's not like you know like they're but they're gonna be on stage in a second but they act like they're just somebody who's attending the event or whatever and it just blows my mind um 
And I think it's so, so practical, so simple, yet Haman takes the approach of like, man, I'm going to be the one who's going to be honored. And instead, just as Jesus indicates, he ends up being humbled. And so how do we kind of practically take that idea of humility and say, man, how can I be more humble in my life? What can, what are things that I can do? Which is almost like a catch-22 because it's like I'm focusing on me a little bit, trying to be more humble. And then if I have any success, do I get prideful in my humility? Like, does it all just kind of come tumbling down? How do I, I approach kind of growing in humility in my life? Um, and maybe do it for pure reasons. I mean, Jesus offers this, those who humble themselves will be exalted, but that's probably not even the best reason to pursue humility in the first place. I don't think that's what Jesus would tell us. It's like, <laughs> hey, just humble yourself so you'll be exalted. I think it's, he's kind of looking at it more from that like wisdom in scripture kind of movements of like, hey, broad strokes, this is what happens to humble people is they're exalted and people who exalt themselves end up getting humbled. Yeah, you know, I think it, we can't ever fully judge a heart, but we've all known people that are just truly humble people and there's just something that draws you in about someone that's humble and that is selfless, that's, that always seems to be thinking of you. Um, and then we've also known the flip side of that. We've known proud people that think of themselves. And uh, one of the things that I, I heard recently was just, you know, I've got little kids in elementary school. One of them's getting ready to go into middle school. Yeah. And, uh, and so just, you know, talking about friends and how do you, you know, engage new people and new, new situations. Um, and one of the things that was really interesting that I read was when somebody goes into a new room and new situation, they're typically concerned about what everybody else in the room thinks about them. Mm. And what this said was they said, the way for you to win people over, the way for you to make friends is to be cons- to think, how can I make sure that everybody in this room knows that I care about them? Mm. And I was just like, that's such an interesting concept because I feel like we all do that. We all step into a room yeah. and we think, what does everybody in this room think about me? Our insecurity takes over. Exactly. And I think that if we can flip that script and we can begin just thinking about the people that God puts in our lives, whether it's in a little literal room or whatever it is, if we can begin thinking about them, I think that's humility. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's powerful. And it really is, you know, you got that pithy line. I think I'm going to get it right. It's like, it's not you know, thinking less about yourself, but it's thinking about yourself less kind of thing. Sure. Right. It's that like, okay, it's not that, cause we also, we've all seen people who are like trying to grow in humility, but then they end up doing the fake humility thing where they're like, well, I'm just the worst at all of these things. And you're like, that's not true. Like you wouldn't have a job here if you were terrible at everything that your job requires of you. Right. That's not humility either is to act like you're not good at things, but it's to say, man, I'm not the most important thing in the world. And I'm actually I'm going to get my priorities right and I'm going to prioritize other people ahead of me because that's, man, that's in my best interest. That's what Jesus has said. I trust him and that is in my best interest to prioritize others ahead of me. Mm -hmm. And I think that's even um, what we see so often in the New Testament is a lot of Paul's letters seem to be trying to get people to reorient their priorities to say, okay, the kingdom of God comes first, the mission of the gospel, other people here I am down here. That's, that's my own interests. That's where they fall. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, I, cause I think so easily our own interests become the thing that just drives our life. Like we see with Haman, right? Like, and it's just so natural for us. And so it's very countercultural for us to say, man, I care most in my life about the kingdom of God, about glory and honor being brought to his name. I care about the mission of the gospel. I care about 
everybody else I do life with ahead of my own interests. And that's a hard life to live. That's hard to live out practically. Yeah. Yeah. You know, one of the ways I think of, of how am I doing in this, in this tension of, you know, humility or the temptation to be proud, you know, and the question that I ask myself is, what was the first thing I thought about when I woke up this morning? Mm. Almost every day, the first thing I think about is myself, Mm. my own needs, my own wants. Right. And I think to a certain extent, we have to take care of ourselves, but the more that I can think about others, my wife, my kids, my coworkers, my family, my neighbors, you know, that's where I think that's what God calls us to do. Right. And that yeah. was the list that you just kind of laid out is, man, we are called to be missional and not missional towards ourselves. Yeah. Right. We are called to bring the gospel and bring the love of God to the people around us. Yeah. And so, you know, that's my question is. Who's the last person or the first person you thought about when you woke up? Who's the last person you think about when you go to sleep? Mm. You know, and it's like, okay, more often than not, it's me. It's me. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great, that's a great way to look at it. I think, um, one of the things that, uh, I talk about a lot with my mother-in-law is that my dog has a proportion issue. (laughs) Um, my dog, she's got, she's got two big dogs at her house and I got this little English bulldog. And he's got a proportion issue. Like he doesn't understand his size in relationship to the whole. And I think, man, that like when we start talking about that, I start to think, man, I have a proportion issue. Hmm. I have, I have a problem with seeing my size in comparison to the whole. And that's why I think it's so healthy for us to see ourselves in that stark contrast to God, to be like, man, he is so much bigger, so much mightier. Uh, I heard a great song say, holier than holy, purer than pure recently. Like it's to another standard that I can't even really wrap my mind around. And man, when I understand my proportion to the whole, I find myself in those like, who am I that you're mindful of me? Who am I that you think of me? Like those kind of places that we see some of these biblical characters brought to when they are met with this stark reality of their proportion to the whole. And I think, man, I need more proportion in my life. I need a better understanding of my size related to the whole. Um, Because it's not just the God one is gigantic, but I mean, honestly, look at my life compared to the broad course of human history. There have been so many people that have lived it so many times that thought that the things going on in their world and under uh, their supervision were the most important things happening at the most important time ever. And I don't even know their names or what they did or what was so pressing in their life. And man, I walk around and I feel like I've got the most important issues on my shoulder and I'm doing the most important things and nobody gets me and I've got like all this stuff on me. And so it just gets me to thinking about myself because nobody cares for me the way I wish that they did. Instead of saying like, I got really small issues, man. Like I do. Like when I look at my proportion to the whole, I'm not the most important person born at the most important time ever. The stuff going on, it's gonna go on. I'm going to die. That's what's going to happen. And not to be fatalistic about it, but also to say, let's have a little bit of perspective here. Like, let's not lose our minds over every little thing. And then I think, man, that frees me up so much to be like, okay, I better understand my relationship to the whole. What's going on around me is a lot more important than me. And so let me be a little bit more attentive to the people in my life.
to uh, the things that God's up to in my life. Let me get my priorities straight again so I can kind of better understand my proportion. Yeah, I love that. I think one, a really good exercise uh, for me um, that actually Erica Hendricks uh, taught me was um, just trying to figure out what, where, where do I fit? What's my right proportion, right? Yeah. And, and kind of trying to figure out my proportion to the whole um, is recognizing that we have been adopted into God's family. And as such, we have been grafted into the history of God's people. Mm. And when you begin to thank God and recognize his His providential care for his people throughout history and thanking him for that, for those key moments, right? I mean, throughout scripture, we just see God working and working and working and working and caring and loving and protecting his people. Yeah. And that's continued for thousands of years to you and me today. Yeah. Right? And we are one of the many that have been in that string of God's blessing and his care and his providence. And so I think for me that it puts us in that proper proportion. Yeah. Right. Is recognizing that, yes, God cares about me like he cared about Esther and like he cared about Moses and like he cared about Abraham and like he cared about all of the Israelites, all of the Jewish people, all of the believers that have ever existed. Yeah. And I am one of those which gives me a huge amount of gratitude, but also maybe, yeah. maybe some humility to recognize this whole thing's not about me. Yeah, it's what Pastor Tom said a few weeks ago. God thinks I'm exceptional, but I'm not an exception, <laughs> right? I kind of have to live within both yeah. of those tensions uh-huh. of like, okay, I God thinks I'm awesome. He loves me, yeah. but I'm also not an exception at all. I'm not the unique thing going on in this kingdom. I am one of many who he also finds exceptional and delights in and loves. And so I'm going to appreciate the fact that I'm so loved, but man, I'm not gonna get bent out of shape thinking, man, I've got the most important issues going on right now. Cause I think that so easily sidetracks us from being able to give proper attention to other people. Well, thank you so much, Evan, for the time. I really appreciate it, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's great to chat and just be encouraged by what God's doing in your life and how God can use this story of Esther to just continue to speak to us. Yeah, and hopefully it's been an encouraging conversation for you, as always. If you got a tangible takeaway coming out of this week's message, we'd love to know. Drop a comment there. Uh, And don't forget to like the video, maybe share it with a friend, and subscribe so that you get updated about future videos as well. Uh, That's all we got for this week. We'll catch you guys next week on Tangible Takeaways.